what a blessing. Great is thy faithfulness. As I was sitting there listening and singing with you all, I couldn't help but think of that passage in Galatians chapter 2. Turn there with me. This is one of those portions of Scripture, you know, when somebody asks us why it is that um, we prefer the uh, the English translation, uh, King James Version, is because of verses like this. It says there in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Christ. Now, we could, we could render that uh, faithfully, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ we've been justified. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faithfulness, the faith of God's well-pleasing Son, the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the, but for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Great is thy faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, again, I'm just looking at a few of these verses that just left in my heart as we were singing that together. What a blessing to know that. That verse 8, for by grace ye are saved through faith. And we can, we can put the, 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 the word Christ there. Through Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, through the faithfulness of Christ, and that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God. And uh, just one more verse, <laughs> and then we'll, we'll get to our study. In uh, 1 Peter, it says there in uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says right there, in uh, verse uh, verse 5. Take a look at that. Now, before I read that verse, let me just make sure we all understand the context. It says in verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the, of, of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This, is, this letter is addressed to the elect of God, God's chosen people. And speaking of his people, speaking of the Lord's sheep, his precious lambs, it says in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Again, we can, we can substitute that word through Christ. As speaking about through the faithfulness, the uprightness of God's well-pleasing son, who the, the, the prophet Isaiah wrote, uh, that he, he shall not fail. <laughs> Unto salvation... And look at this salvation. It's ready. Unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Beloved, he's not an almost savior. He's a savior who saves sinners to the uttermost. And I'm so thankful for that. Great is thy faithfulness indeed. <laughs> indeed. Now tonight, if you would take your Bibles with me and uh, let's return to the portion, or, or at least the chapter anyway, where our brother read. Tonight we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43 through to verse 45. Our Lord declares, and, and remember, he's still answering this accusa accusation that was brought against him in verse 24. How that when the Pharisees saw and heard how that the Lord had healed this man who was blind and dumb, possessed of a devil, it says in verse 24, they said, this fellow, what a disrespectful way to speak of our Lord, 
this uh, this so and so, this fellow, doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, that's uh, Lord of the Flies or the dung, the the the, the fly dung, or or it's just derogatory beyond belief. But by the prince of the devils, and then picking up where we're we're looking at this evening. Remember verse forty-three. And the Lord is still responding to their accusation and he's instructing them. He says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. Remember how the Lord answered their accusation. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. He showed them that the idea, the the accusation, the suggestion that he cast out this devil by the prince of devils was completely and utterly ridiculous. And he taught them plainly how that a house divided against itself cannot stand. That if Satan is casting out Satan then Satan is destroying his own kingdom. And so what these Pharisees accused him of made no sense whatsoever. And then the Lord called these religious leaders an evil and adulterous generation. You see, even those these Pharisees were religious. You know, they were they were very religious, and even their very existence was centered around that. Nevertheless, the Lord said that they were evil and that their religion is evil, and that's because it was a religion without Christ. Remember, the Lord said to them in another place, um, we, this was read to us just a moment ago, Woe unto you lawyers! Woe unto you ministers of the word of God! For, you have not taken, for, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. That's what he said to them. Ye have taken away the king of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and then them that were entering in, ye hindered. Ye hindered. You see, they had a message without the key to knowledge. So what is the key to knowledge? What is the key to understanding the Word of God? The key to opening this book? Beloved, by God's grace, through the preaching of the gospel, the Father teaches us, and we come to His Son and hear Him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the very one who said, the Scriptures are they which testify of me. The very one who begins at Moses and all the prophets and expounds unto us in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. You've, you've heard it said before, uh, this is a, a hymn book, right? <laughs> An H-I-M book. And those who heard him, this is recorded in Luke 24, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? The key to knowledge is Christ. And our Lord declares, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What a horrible thing it is, beloved. Just think of it. To have a Bible, to have a system of belief, and not have the key, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in our portion tonight, the Lord gives us a picture of what he's been speaking to. And he gives us this picture so that we may see what religion without Christ looks like. And here's the first thing we see. When you have religion without Christ, 
there's no change of masters. Those who have religion without Christ still haven't bent the knee, or for that matter, submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, nor his righteousness. Our Lord declares, beginning in verse 43, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. You see, a person without Christ, they're possessed by an unclean spirit. You see, you are either possessed of Christ or you are possessed by the prince of the power of the air, the devil. You see, you see my friend, it's one or the other. It's, it's one or the other. Now, a person without Christ, a person who's possessed by an unclean spirit, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is demon-possessed. Now, that could be the case, but it certainly means being controlled by our own fallen, evil nature. You see, our unclean nature is a nature that is sinful, and that's the nature that controls us. And unless the Lord saves us and rules in our heart, or that unclean spirit leaves a person of his own accord, if that unclean spirit is not cast out, if he's not cast out by a stronger power and forced to leave, and remember in our Lord's illustration, that unclean spirit may just leave of his own accord, and he does that just because he wants to change the scenery or merely because of his own accord he wants to see what somewhere else is like, but he's not being cast out. He still calls it my house. And so, my friend, if you and I are to be saved, the Lord has to come in power and take possession of our heart and set up his almighty throne, rule, and reign in our hearts. And if that's not happened, if that's not happened, verse 44, then that unclean spirit saith, I will return into my house. My house. Notice, that unclean spirit, he speaks of that person as my house. And that because the unclean spirit is still in control of that person. And though he left for a time of his own accord, but now he's back. He's come again into that person. And beloved, that's a picture of a religious person without Christ. You see, a religious person has a lot of religious activity a lot of religious ceremony. But none of that energy is spent, truly, in serving the Lord. None of that religious busyness is worshiping God because there's been no change of masters. You see, there's been no new heart opened, no new heart created. There's no constraining love of Christ that's moving them to do what they're doing. Not until the Lord saves us. Not until he takes possession of us. You see, until he does that, until the Lord Jesus Christ does that, you and I are just walking according to the prince of the power of the air and are children of wrath and disobedience, even as others. And my friend, that's true no matter how, out, how outwardly religious we, we appear to be, no matter what kind of show we're putting on. And so we see here in our portion that very illustration in this picture. You see, when you have religion without Christ, all you have is an outward reformation, just just an out, outward show, just a, just a pretense. Again, verse 44. Then that unclean spirit saith, I will return into my house. I still own it. I'm still in control. I'll, I'll return into my house because it's mine. And so I will return into my house from whence I came out. And then we see our Lord teaching us here that when that unclean spirit has come, that unclean spirit findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. 
Now we see here this unclean spirit, how that he's left this person voluntarily, at least for a while. And then that unclean spirit comes back and he does so whenever he wants to. And he finds that while he's been gone, this person has made a few changes in himself. You know, he's cleaned up his act. He swept himself clean of what the world calls sin. And notice the house is swept. It hasn't been cleansed, beloved. All it is is swept. And that's a picture of someone who's gotten rid of a few bad habits. But he hasn't been cleansed from sin. And sure, there's been an outward cleansing. But there's no inward life. There's been no new life given from above. And yes, he's swept himself. He's cleaned up his act a little bit. And he's garnished and decorated himself. You know, he's got a cross around his neck or some other religious trinket like a scapular. Uh, if you don't know what a scapular is, it's uh, something you'll see a Roman Catholic wearing. It's a picture of Mary. And they believe by wearing that that they're saved. But it doesn't matter the religion. It can be a Mohammedan with his uh, necklace of... of uh, it's exactly like the Roman Catholic yeah, beads. It's the same thing. And some of these idols can't be seen. <laughs> they're, they're in the mind. And so whether he's putting up these trinkets visibly to be seen or in the mind, you know, he might even put up the Ten Commandments upon the wall. And he's decorated and garnished the house. And it makes him feel real good about himself. It makes him feel real good to have all these religious trinkets about him. And it reminds himself and it reminds his neighbors that he's religious. But all he's done, all he's done is garnished his house. But God, the Holy Spirit, hasn't done anything in that man or that woman or in that boy or in that girl. God, the Holy Spirit, hasn't given him any life. And yes, sure, he's put up some new trinkets up upon the wall, but he doesn't have a new heart. There's been no change of nature, no new birth, no being born from above. Remember what our Lord said to Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, except a man be born by the clean water of the gospel and the power of God's Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is just, just flesh. And all flesh is grass, just vanity. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Sadly, by nature, people think cleaning up the outside or cleaning up our act or, or making ourselves look better before men is the new birth. And they think that that's the goal. But our Lord says, you and I must be born again. Do you want to be born again? <laughs> Hear the word of God. <laughs> Hear ye him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you born again? <laughs> I'm not just asking you all. <laughs> I'm asking myself, just the same. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. Whosoever believeth on him shall never die. To him, to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, him that begat, loveth every brother and sister also that is begotten of him. Isn't that uh, just a comfort to hear that over and over and over again? Salvation is not in doing. It's in believing. And so again, speaking about those who are still in darkness and ignorance, sadly, by nature, people think cleaning up the outside or cleaning up our act and making ourselves look better before men is new birth. But that's not it. You see, we're not saved by doing. We're saved by believing. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. How come? <laughs> How come? Because everything that we're ashamed of has been put away by the sacrifice of Christ. All our transgressions, all our iniquities, thoroughly and completely put away, that I may now say to you who believe on Christ, ye are complete in him. You lack nothing. Full and complete pardon of all your sins. And that's half a gospel. And now you hear and you believe the record of God. How that our Heavenly Father made His well-pleasing, darling Son, He who knew no sin, that He was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Complete pardon, complete acceptance <laughs> for the doing and dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. Don't speak uh, to Tyler's head. <laughs> my brother, I speak to your heart. And if God's going to bless his word, I, can, I mean, I can't comfort anybody in this auditorium. That's the truth. <laughs> but when I declare to Jerusalem that she's received double of the Lord's hands for all her sins and all her iniquities, what comfort to know that he saves us to the uttermost. And uh, many a brother or sister has tried to pen a hymn or two. Isn't that right, Gail? I mean, uh, we have some of the women write those po the poetry to express their, their love and worship and adoration of our Lord and God. And, and some of the men have, have, have tried to express it. Uh, the one that keeps coming back to me is Rock of Ages, <laughs> our brother Top Lady. Uh, Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be the double cure. <laughs> Save from wrath and make me pure. <laughs> Save from wrath? How, how can that be? The blood, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make me pure? How's that? When he lived on the earth, he lived as a real man, establishing our righteousness. And it's that righteous man's life that has been made to be our life before our Heavenly Father. I'm so thankful for that. Beloved, you are complete in him. Now, those who are a part of that um, damning denomination, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell you what I nickname it. <laughs> you can sum up all false religion under this one statement. It's the yay and nay group. 
But by God's grace, we don't say yea and nay to, or, or yeah, but to you are complete in him. We just say yea and amen for all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yea and amen. But there's others who are still yet in darkness or who are in this place of ignorance. And I pray somebody would, would hear me now. When we clean up our act, that's all we do. <laughs> we just clean up the outside. And that's what religion without Christ is. That's what religion without Christ is. Just, just dead. Dead, dead. Without any spiritual life whatsoever. You see, when you, all, when, when all you do is clean up the outside and leave the inside alone, all you get and all you've got is religion without Christ. Religion without life. Uh, turn a few chapters to the right and, and look there with me in Matthew chapter 23. Chapter 23. And look there with me beginning verse 25. This is um, a portion that is quoting our, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And he declares there in Matthew 23, verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites. For ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and, and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And that, my friend, is what you get when you have religion without Christ. And yes, there might be an outward reformation, but within the heart, that man or woman left to themselves, that man or woman without Christ, is full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And this is what the Jews try to do by following the law, you know, by their, their legalistic religion, following the law, following the ceremonies, following the traditions of men. All they did is clean up the outside. And the false religion of our day, are, the, 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 you know, the false religionists of our day are still trying to do the same thing. They're trying to get people to clean up the outside and make their life appear better. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul called that having a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, not according to Christ. You see, beloved, we're not saved by doing. We're not saved by doing. Rather, ever so blessedly, we're saved by believing. God's not going to save people because they have a zeal of God. That's not how God saves sinners. That's not the not that's not religion with Christ. That's that's not union with Him, and because they have no knowledge of God, they remain in darkness and ignorance. And you know why? It's because God hasn't given them a new heart. God hasn't given them a new mind, which is the mind of Christ, that will know Christ and believe on Him and trust Him. So the house pictured here by our Lord is a house of a religious zealous man that's been swept decorated and garnished. And that unclean spirit comes back and finds that it's still empty. Still empty. Empty of Christ, empty of life, empty of righteousness. And yes, there's a lot of religious activity going on. There's been a lot of redecorating. But there's no life there because there's been no regeneration. And that serves as a good warning to God's people, does it not? 
Beloved, don't ever mistake religious activity or religious decorations for spiritual life. Because although the house in our Lord's illustration was garnished, yet it was still empty. You see, you and I can say, I'm a Christian. You can have a fish on your car. You can have a fish on your website. And still the house can still be empty. And the Lord's always taught us how that someone may clean up the outside, and yet the inside can still be full of iniquity. You see, when you have religion without Christ, that's all you have is wicked hypocrisy and iniquity. And you know, people will say, someone has found something good when they find religion. But I tell you, if they found religion without Christ, all they found in that religion is just wicked hypocrisy and iniquity. And yes, that person may start acting better when they've, when they've got religion. But religion without Christ is just a wicked show of hypocrisy and iniquity. Matthew 12, verse 45. Then goeth he, then goeth he, then, then that unclean spirit returns and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. Now this poor man, in this illustration, he's cleaned up his act, He's found religion, whatever religion that might be, and he's put up some religious decorations. But you know, when that unclean spirit came back, the unclean spirit liked it that this man cleaned up. The, the unclean spirit liked it that he got himself some religion. And all that show and pomp of religion didn't drive the unclean spirit away. On the contrary, that unclean spirit liked it. That's, that's right, that unclean spirit liked it. And so all this show of religion, all this religious pomp and decoration, instead of driving that unclean spirit away, quite the contrary, he was rather comfortable in that show of religion without Christ. He went and invited seven other unclean spirits to come live there, and he said, come back to, to my house. You see, he's still there. He's still reigning. And so we see here how that this show of religion didn't drive the unclean unclean spirit away from him. Rather, it drew the unclear, unclean spirit to him. You see, the unclean spirit is glad to see a person put on a big show of public religion, a big show of public morality. And remember, that doesn't make unclean spirits uncomfortable. Rather, that makes them real comfortable. And that hypocrisy and iniquity draws those unclean spirits to an empty house without Christ. And the unclean spirit, when he saw that the man cleaned up his act and swept and he saw all the religious garnishes he put up, that unclean spirit said, this is something I can work with. You see, that man didn't have religion before, but now he's got religion. And he takes that unclean spirit with him to those religious meetings. And now that unclean spirit's got a foothold in religion. Now the unclean spirit says, I can cause this man to cause some trouble. I can use this man to sow discord. I can use this man to take the attention away from Christ and put the attention upon the flesh. I can use this man to cause division. I can use this man to entertain sinners on their way to hell. And so this man who's got religion without Christ, well, he'll, he'll give that unclean spirit a foothold in religion. And beloved, this picture of the unclean spirit and the empty house 
should serve as a serious sober warning, should it not? And we've been warned about this before. My friend, Satan doesn't have any battle in the bars and brothels or in those places we call dens of iniquity. I mean, there's no battle for Satan there at all. You see, where Satan wages his battles, where Satan goes to fight, is not in the bars and brothels. Rather, Satan goes to war and to fighting his battles where the name of Christ is used. And every time Satan's battle plan is the same. It's always the same. It's to get people's attention off of Christ. And he'll do anything to get people's attention off Christ. Believe me. And one of the biggest ways that Satan does that is by getting people's attention placed on so-called good things. So-called good things. You see, Satan gets the attention off of Christ by having someone look to their obedience to the law. And of course, the law is a good thing. It's a good thing. But Satan would like to get people's attention off of Christ's obedience to the law and have them look to their own instead of trusting Christ to keep the law for us. And so Satan's battle plan is to get us placing our attention on ourselves, looking good before men, being upright, being moral. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all, all for morality. But here's the thing, beloved. When we get our attention on our morality, our attention is taken off of Christ. And when we do that, when anything gets our attention off of Christ, and, and that gets our attention off of his glory, when that happens, well, then Satan's won the day. And so you see, Satan can use that person in a local church whose eyes are off of Christ, and maybe Satan makes them fight for their rights and makes them to think, I ought to be treated better in this place instead of submitting to Christ and his righteousness, instead of submitting to God's authority. You see, beloved, when there's division in a church of God, any, any local church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's division in that local church, mark it down. That's when we've got our attention off of Christ. And when that happens, Satan's won the day. And so you and I are to be warned. Be warned, my friend. You don't think Satan would want to use you or use me to do that? You don't think for a second that he'd like to use you or use me to cause division in the Lord's local visible church? My friend, Satan will use anything and anyone to get our attention off of Christ. You see, beloved, we're in a battle. And the last thing that Satan wants is somebody finding out about Christ. The last thing he wants is someone looking to Christ and trusting him. And Satan will use anything to get our attention off of Christ. He'll use anyone he can to get our attention off of salvation in Christ, righteousness in Christ, full and complete pardon in Christ, grace in Christ, and forgiveness in Christ. And beloved, if we get our attention off of Christ, well, then Satan's won the day. And our Lord said, when this happens... The unclean spirit goes out and he comes back and he finds this person that's got religion without Christ and the unclean spirit's comfortable with that and he invites seven other unclean spirits with him. And our Lord says, the last state of that person, the last state of this person who went and got some religion is worse than the first. He'd be better off if he'd never got any religion whatsoever. And that's true of this whole wicked generation who has religion without Christ. Their last state is worse than the first. It had been better 
off for them to have never gotten any religion in the first place. You see, if they have religion without Christ, well, they would have been better off in the long run without her. What a solemn thought, beloved. Just as Satan desired to use and sift Peter, just the same. He desires to use and sift us. And that's something we need to be warned about. My friend, be warned. Be on guard against religion without Christ, whatever name it goes by. We read in Colossians uh, chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading there in verse 15. It's speaking there of Christ Jesus, our Lord, how that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by all, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Beloved Christ must have the preeminence. He must be all in everything that we do. And so we must be warned about this. But I also want to remind you about the hope of deliverance that sinners have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the hope of salvation that we have in Christ. And while we do need to be warned about religion without Christ, I want us to conclude our time together this evening by being reminded about religion with Christ. Religion with Christ. Because religion with Christ, my friend, the religion of God concerning His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, well, that religion leaves us off better. Because that true religion and Only that religion gives us hope of eternal life, of sure hope of everlasting blessings in heaven. And this is what we need. This is what we must have. We must have that religion where the preeminent thing is Christ. And as the, well, as his under-shepherd, the under-shepherd of of his precious people here, (laughs) the under-shepherd of his sheep and his lambs and this congregation, that is my ardent desire, that our attention, our focus in every service be on the Lord Jesus Christ and not on the current events of this fallen world. I'm not here to repeat anything from CNN (laughs) or Fox News. (laughs) When we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And none of that's going to be remembered. (laughs) And so you see, beloved, the focus of God's church is Christ. And we need our attention focused on Him and Him alone. We need to be ever looking to Him because by nature, we're all possessed of an unclean spirit. Every one of us, we're possessed, we're controlled by an unclean spirit. and And that unclean spirit is our own sinful nature. You don't believe me? Just listen to our brother Paul. He says, I find then a law, and, and the law of God is good, my friend. And that, when I would do good, this is, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, that when I would do good, when I would do what, what is upright, evil is present with me. And I fall short of God's glory every time. I fall short 
of what is good in God's sight every time. You see, I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God. (laughs) I thank my heavenly Father that through his Son, that through Jesus Christ our Lord, I shall be delivered. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, let's look at this picture that the Lord gives us. Let's, let's see religion with Christ and see the result of a person that's the object of God's grace who has true religion with Christ. Back to uh, Matthew 12, verse 22. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then was brought unto our Lord, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And the Son of God healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the Son of David? Is not this the Christ? Now, when you hear that, how that we're all controlled by an unclean spirit, controlled by our our sinful nature, does that bother you? Does that worry you? Do you see that in, in your life, how that we're controlled by sin? Well, we are. My friend, if you don't see that you're controlled by sin, uh, I'll, I'll give you something to try just for a second. Indulge me. Go ahead and try for the next few seconds to not sin. <laughs> couldn't do it, could you? And you know why you couldn't? It's because we have a nature that's controlled by sin. Everything we think, everything we say, everything we do is all tainted with sin. But beloved, take comfort. For just like this poor man was brought to the Lord and healed, you who are controlled by an unclean spirit, take comfort. For you're exactly who Christ came to save. Christ came to save sinners. People who are completely under the control of this unclean spirit, this unclean nature. You see, Christ came to save real sinners, the worst of sinners, those who have no hope of escaping their sin. That's the whosoever Christ came to save. And yes, I know they're under the control of their evil sin nature. Nevertheless, Christ came to save sinners, and he's going to come and set them free. And the Lord does indeed set his people free from the control of that evil, unclean sin nature by taking control himself. And he takes control by casting out that old master, that domineering nature of the flesh, to where it can't dominate his people anymore. And when that flesh master is cast out, and yes, that old nature is still there. It's just as wicked, just as unclean as it ever was. It's unchanged, but now it's no longer master. Now it's no longer in control. And here's the evidence that it's not in control anymore. Would you like to hear the evidence that it's not in control anymore? You believe Christ. (laughs) You believe on him. You see, when our sin nature is in control, we can't believe on him. We can't believe on God's darling, well-pleasing son. 
And then Christ comes in and he casts that sinful unbelief out. He casts it down and he takes control of the house so that now we can't not believe on Christ. And that's the evidence that Christ reigns in the heart. And beloved, we believe him because he's the strong man who's who's stronger than that other unclean spirit. Because if we were still under the control of our evil, wicked nature, we could never believe on God's well-pleasing Son. Never. And so the evidence that Christ has come and has taken control as Master is that we believe Him. And that's the evidence. And when the Lord comes to set His people free, there's not a struggle. Not a struggle. Rather, the Lord just appears and His people are set free. And the Lord just speaks and that unclean spirit has got to go because the Lord's in control. Beloved, thy God reigneth, and he rules and he reigns. He rules and he reigns. The Lord Jesus Christ was manifested, and this is why he appeared, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And beloved, that's exactly what he's done. He's destroyed the works of the devil, and he's taken control, and he's destroyed the controlling power of our old, unclean, sinful nature that made us unable to believe on Christ. And I'll tell you how he did it. First of all, he did it at Calvary. At Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished God's promise to Adam and Eve. Remember, as soon as they were getting thrust out of the garden, God made a promise. The seed of the woman is going to come and crush Satan's head. Genesis 3.15. And at the cross of Calvary, Christ did just that. He crushed Satan's head. You see, the blood of Christ's sacrifice is so powerful, it puts Satan out of business so that now Satan can never accuse God's people of sin anymore. Because the blood of Christ paid for their sins. The blood of Christ blotted out all of their transgressions and iniquities. The blood of Christ has washed them and cleansed them whiter than snow. The blood of Christ put the sin of God's elect away. So that now, Satan doesn't have anything he can use to accuse God's people. For all of their sins are put away. They're gone. Beloved, we're washed whiter than snow by the blood of atonement of Christ. Lord, purge me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Beloved, the blood of Christ has put Satan out of business. Satan cannot control. He cannot deceive God's elect anymore because the blood of Christ purchased the redemption. We're his purchased possession, beloved, and now we belong to our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And, beloved, he's going to keep us, for no one and nothing can pluck them out of his hand. Now, to be sure... If you have any any awareness of, of him at all, Satan is a frightening enemy. No question about it. And so, too, my sin nature is, is a frightening enemy just the same. And what it deserves is a very frightening truth. Just think of it, beloved, of what you and I justly deserve for our many sins against God. My friend, the wages of sin is eternal death. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. 
But the gift of God, <laughs> undeservedly given to us, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beloved, our hope, our confidence, our joy, our comfort is this, that the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than all our enemies. I don't care how great they may be, Christ is greater, and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior has conquered Satan, and he's put away the sins of his people. And my friend, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who will preserve and protect his people. He will not let one, not, not one of them go, for the blood of his sacrifice puts Satan out of business. Beloved, Christ has so completely put Satan out of business, Christ made it to where Satan cannot deceive God's people anymore. For in the new birth, he's given them a new nature, and that new nature cannot be deceived. Yes, Eve could be deceived, but the new nature that God causes to be born in his people will never be deceived. For you see, that new nature will never quit trusting and looking to Christ. So Satan has no power over us. And that's because of our Lord's sacrifice at Calvary and by the new birth by his spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ has put Satan out of business to where that serpent of old cannot touch God's people anymore. And that's religion with Christ. <laughs> what a big difference. Oh, that God would be pleased to cause us to believe on his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, to, to believe afresh, you know, revive me. <laughs> May the Lord be pleased to revive all of us in the auditorium, whoever might be listening to the broadcast, to cause us to, to believe on him afresh, on him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And my friend, if we're believing on him, we'll be resting in what he has done for us, not in what we do for him. Amen.